Hey, let's dive into today's message. Um, I'm in a series entitled Rebuilding. Uh, really, the foundation of the message came through Nehemiah. Uh, felt the Lord really speak to me that we're in a season of rebuilding. Uh, and so we, we read the story of Nehemiah. That's where, where is the king's cupbearer gets word that the walls of Jerusalem are destroyed and still lay in ruins. And so he has a passion in a heart, begins to pray and intercede, God, what do you want to do? And lo and behold, God uses him to rally the people of God to rebuild the, the wall around Jerusalem. And they do it in a miraculous way. It took 52 days to do it. Um, but they did something that was very unique. They, it, it talks very clearly about how they would fight or have a sword in one hand, and then in the other hand, they would build. And it was a season that didn't last forever, but it was both fighting and defending, and it was building at the same time. Sometimes in life, there's a season where I'm fighting the enemy, and that's all I got to do. I just got to, it's kind of like defense. I just got to fight off the enemy. And then there's times where you're building. It's like, man, I'm just building what God wants me to build. And then there are those seasons where you have to do both at the same time. And they can't last forever. It's hard. It's, it's some people I've talked to, they're like, Pastor, this is the hardest season I've ever been through. Well, you're probably both fighting and rebuilding. And that's normal. It won't last forever. But I really believe if we get God's word in this season, he'll do in our lives what he did with Nehemiah. He'll, he'll build the wall and it'll be a miracle. What seemed like was impossible and would take forever, he'll do it in a quick work. And so uh, we're, we're talking over the next couple of weeks about faith, family, and finances. Last week I talked specifically on finances. Today I'm going to continue that uh, conversation uh, and I know if you're brand new, you're like, oh, today I came and here we are. And he's talking about finances and you invited me on the worst day. You're punching your friend that invited you that leveraged their credibility. And uh, I would just tell you this, just open up your heart um, and just receive. I don't believe that there are accidents. I believe in divine appointments. Um, and I also understand that if you're in this place and you get to church and a pastor starts talking about money, you're like, all right, where's the offering? Where's the hat? Oh, see, Barbara, I told you they were building that building today. They're going to try to fleece us. They must need some. No, no, no. There's no fleecing. We don't pass offering plates and buckets. Nobody's going to come across. There's no emotional manipulation. Um, I've always just been a firm believer. I'm going to preach the word. And when we do have special offerings, we do. I give you six to eight weeks. We come gladly. We come prepared. We're ready to be a part of it. There's no spur of the moment. So just, just tuck your billfold back up and just relax. And I would ask you this. Let this be your gift from God to you. And that you'd say, okay, God, I'd be open. Let me, let me be open to this divine appointment. Let me, let me listen to what you might say. And then allow God to just speak to you in this moment. It kind of reminds me of the story I, I read uh, about the $1 bill and the $100 bill. Uh, they got folded together and began to talk about their life experiences. The $100 bill began talking and bragging. I've had a great life. I've been to all the big hotels. Donald Trump himself used me at his casino. I've been in the wallets of Fortune 500 board members. I've flown from one end of the country to the other. I've been in the wallet of two presidents. Even I was in the wallet of Princess Diana. When she visited the U.S., she used me to buy a pack of gum. Amazing. The $1 bill replied humbly and said, gee, Nothing like that's ever happened to me, but I have been in church a lot. <laughs> I think we need some humor to talk about money. Come on, somebody. <laughs> Open up your Bibles to Malachi chapter 3, verse 10 and 11. You pull out your message notes. I do those intentionally, whether through the Bible app or in person, uh, just because I think today should be a conversation. I always feel like, don't, don't believe me just because I preach it. I put the word in there. You go study it. Let God speak to you. You're not going to be accountable for what your pastor said. You're going to be accountable for what you believe and what you know. So it's like, okay, I got to, okay, God, I'm, speak to me. I'm going to speak the truth. I, I don't have a dog in this hunt. Um, I, I want you to listen to me. I, I'm not running for politics. 
I'm not trying to win a popularity contest. I wasn't appointed by you. I can't be removed by you. God appointed me. And so I have to, when I come to church and as this church, I'm just required to say, God, what is it you want me to say? And I'm going to preach the word. And my job is to raise up a church that would stand the test of time. That regardless of what society says and doesn't say, regardless of what society does and doesn't do, there would be a remnant of people that would come together and say, God, we choose you. And how many know sometimes truth is not always easy? Sometimes you feel like, Pastor, you're stepping on my toes. Well, wouldn't you rather your toes stepped on here than to spend eternity in the wrong place or to miss out on God's best? I mean, it's like, I I think that's real love. And so today I want you just to open your heart. We're going to go into Malachi chapter 3. Verse 10 through 11, we ended last week talking about um, putting God first in our lives. And I want to pick it up today. I've got a place where we're going to end. This is not where we're going to end, but I do want to pick it up and start here. Now, the book of Malachi is a great book. If you've never read it, it's not a long book. Uh, The whole book, the theme is about returning. So the first one is all about returning back to your faith. The second one's returning back to family. Third portion is returning your finances. Then chapter four is really about God returning back to us. And so it's a beautiful passage and book that, that is all about the returning of. In verse 10 of chapter three, uh, I want to pick it up here and then give you some thoughts. It says, bring all of the tithes into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. Try me now in this, says the Lord of hosts. If, see if I'll not open up the windows of heaven and pour out for you such a blessing that there will not be room enough to receive it. And then I will rebuke the devourer for your sake. Now, if you missed it, you want to hear a little bit more. I'm not going to go into the tithe and the storehouse per se. Um, but what I do want you to pick up from this is make sure that we understand that tithing unlocks God's provision and God's protection for your life. When you say provision, when he says, I'll open up the windows of heaven, that's provision. That God brings an abundance into your life. God brings increase into your life. That's what putting God first does. But not only does it bring this increase, it also gives us protection. He said that he will rebuke the devourer. That means the enemy where he tries to steal, kill, and destroy. That God's power rebukes the devourer. It's amazing. I'm not responsible for uh, how God operates this in your life. People say, you know, Pastor, I, I didn't see a whole lot of blessing. I didn't see a lot of increase. But then my question goes back, but do you know what he protected you from? See, it's not me. God says, test me, try me, prove me. So he's the one that does it. He comes in, he brings provision, he brings increase. But I'm often reminded, I think we're going to get to heaven. And many of us, he'll throw it out and say, these are the things the enemy wanted to do in your life. But because of the blessing and putting me first, I rebuke the devourer. You didn't even know he was coming for you, but I got him before he got to you. He rebukes the devourer. He rebukes the devourer. And in this passage, what we know is tithing is a test. It really is. It's a test of stewardship. Are you a steward of what you have? Or are you a thief? I know somebody said, what do you mean thief, pastor? I mean, come on, you said, you said I'm a thief? No, no, I, I, I even am slow to say it. It's like, but look at what God says in verse 8. God is speaking through Malachi. And look, he says, will a mere mortal rob God? He's talking, he's like the God of the universe. Look, a mortal. He even qualifies how we compare to him. A mere mortal. Rob the Almighty. And yet... You robbed me. And then here's the question, and I know it's like, man, God, how did I rob you? Because I thought I was doing good. I thought we were your people. And he says very clearly, look, you robbed me in tithes and in offerings. So you robbed me in the stewardship principle and returning back to me what belongs to me. And I, I know somebody sitting out there and you're saying, well, what do you mean? That's my money. I worked for it. I earned it. But in... And I want to qualify this too. I'm not talking and listen, if you're not a Christ follower, you're not a believer, you just, you just, I'm not even talking to you. See, 
Jesus requires very little from those that don't follow him. You know, we, we try to put our standards on the world. Someone says, well, they act, they're sinners. I tell my sons all the time. He's a, that, that we were camping the other day, and they came up. They're like, Dad, they're cussing and drinking. It was funny. We were at that place, Sons of Something, doing glamping. Anybody ever done glamping? Phyllis, she knows I don't want to go camping. And she, she threw that. She's like, glamping. I'm so, well, but that's, what? That sounds like a plan. To, what is it? They set up the tent. They put the beds in the tent. They got fans in the tent. I'm like, Praise God. So we're glamping. And they're playing volleyball in the center, and they're all playing. And my, my um, kids come back and said, oh, Dad, they're cussing. I mean, just not even the little words, but, Dad, they was cussing the big ones, you know, the big ones. And, Dad, it wasn't just the adults, but it's the kids. And I'm like, well, baby, that's what sinners do. So that means your light should shine real bright. And she's like, well, but, Dad, I mean, he kept saying, beer break, beer break. He's like, I don't know how much light will shine in a beer break. But, I mean, we get offended, but that's what a sinner does. You don't know Jesus, and I love it. Jesus never required much from anybody that wasn't a follower. But he requires everything from those of us that say we are. And that's where we have to come back and say, okay. So, so if you're not a Christ star, just investigate. You're, you, hey, you don't have to believe to belong. But I'm talking to those of us that say we are Christ followers. Like, I'm saved. Like, I, I know that my life has went from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. So why do you say that? Because I want to give you biblical scriptures that will help you understand the stewardship. Because as a Christ follower, the word of God is true. Every, let me just qualify this. Every word of the Bible is true. Come on, somebody. You can't a la carte the Bible. I like this. I like that. Don't like that. Listen, when, when you get the right to pick and choose, now you become God. And I don't know about you, but I ain't that smart. And somebody said, well, I don't agree. Well, that's okay. Your God is bigger than you. When we have a God that we agree with everything, then you really have become the God in that relationship. I, I get challenged all the time. God will say things. I don't like it. But guess what? I don't get to vote. It's not a de democracy. It's a theocracy. He is the king of kings and the Lord of lords. And so it's my job to say, God, how do you want me to do it? I'll do it. I'll get in line. Why? Because it's all about the king. Deuteronomy chapter 10, 14. Look, the highest heavens and the earth and everything in it all belong to the Lord your God. Look at Psalm 89, 11. The heavens are yours. The earth also is yours. The world and all it contains. You founded them. That's my money. No, 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 no. It's not your money. Everything in heaven. Everything in earth. And all the contents. All the people. All the stuff. It all belongs to God. Yeah, but it doesn't look like it. Oh, there's coming a reckoning. Jesus will have what belongs to him. So we say, God, I believe this all belongs to you. I mean, the, the Bible has so many passages. Here's just another one. Psalm 24, 1, the earth is the Lord's and everything in it. That doesn't exclude our wallets. That doesn't exclude our car and our house. And I tell people all the time, I love the fact that, that we got nice things. I just won't let those nice things have me. Well, what do you mean? That means I'll give it up at any time. God, you want it, you can have it. I'm grateful for it. Thank God for AC. Come on, somebody. Don't want to give it up, but if I got to give it up, I'll do it. Why? It doesn't belong to me. That one I might struggle with just a little bit, though. <laughs> and everything in it, and the world and all its people, they all belong to him. So it's a stewardship. It's the challenge, stewardship. Who's the real owner of what I have in my life? Who does it really belong to? Now, I want to go to a passage that's found in Genesis chapter 4. Now, when you begin to study theology, you study topics in the Bible, I always want to encourage you, uh, there is this thing called the law of first mention. When there's a principle, when there's a thought or a word, or there is some theological idea what you always want to go back to is the place where it's first mentioned. When it's first mentioned, there is a foundation that's being laid. There's a, an establishment of God's word. So you'll find a word that is mentioned in the New Testament. I always want to encourage you. Where is it also mentioned the first time in the Old Testament? 
Well, the first time that offering is actually mentioned in the Bible is in Genesis chapter 4. This is the story of Cain and Abel. Uh, if you're new to church, Cain and Abel were the sons of Adam and Eve. So they knew God. They, they would have had a relationship with God. They would have been in the cool of that, that, the, the earth and just, ha- so they know. There's no second, third generation like God. I, I mean, they knew God. And so we're going to read a story about how they respond to God because even at the very beginning, God required this principle of stewardship that from the beginning of our history, that God says, listen, we're stewards. Look at what happens in verse one through eight. I now, Adam, or verse, I, it's one, verse one. (laughs) Now Adam knew Eve, his wife, and she conceived and bore Cain. And said, I have acquired a man from the Lord. Then she bore and delivered again. Now, some theologians believe that Cain and Abel were twins because it doesn't mention uh, her conceiving again. But either way, it says, this time his brother Abel. Now, Abel was a keeper of the sheep. Now, that means he was a rancher. So Abel's a rancher. And then it says that Cain, he was a tiller of the ground. So he's a farmer. It says, and in the process of time, it came to pass that Cain brought an offering of the fruit of the ground to the Lord. Abel also brought of the firstborn of his flock and of their fat. And the Lord respected Abel and his offering, but he did not. Everybody say not. Say it again. Say not. He did not respect Cain and his offering. And Cain was very angry and his countenance fell. Now, when this takes place, and, and I'll get into it in a second. It's very interesting how that Cain, he became angry, which I find very interesting because God speaks to him, gives him the protocol. He doesn't follow God's direction, and now he's mad at God. You ever had a kid that you said, hey, here's the instructions? I mean, I don't know. It's crazy. I don't know where Caden and everybody's at. Caden and Carson, where you at? Supposed to be in this service, so I'm looking, 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 looking. Nope. All right, we're going to kill him. All right. They... uh you ever had this thing where you, you give them instruction, they don't do it, and they're mad at you? Like, that wasn't a surprise. Like, we've been talking about it. We wrote it down, and yet they're mad at me. And it's like, man, I th- our bedtime is at, at, at this time. It's, and somehow with Cain, God spoke to him, and here Cain is very angry. And I'll tell you, one of the reasons I believe Cain is angry is because when God disciplined, instead of getting better, Cain got bitter. So, so there's a bitterness that happens, and then we begin to feel rejected. And so in the midst of rejection, now I'm fighting rejection and bitterness, and it begins to taint the relationship, and what would have been pure instruction now becomes this heaviness of, of frustration and rebellion and anger towards simply God trying to live, lift the lid in his life. Hey, look, this is how you walk in the blessing. Look, let me show you this. Why is your countenance fallen? So the Lord's speaking to him. Why are you angry? If you do well. See, God didn't reject Cain. Look, when you don't do what's right, God doesn't reject you. God loves you. But he still is going to hold the standard. Like God still has to say this is right and this is wrong. And look, he goes in and he says, look, you got a chance to turn it around. If you will do what is right. Look at what he says. Will you not be accepted? Just like your brother. Won't you be accepted? And if you do not do well, look at what it says. Sin lies at the door. And its desire is for you, but you should rule over it. So look, if you're not going to listen, now you begin to fall in sin. And sin is a trap. And when you become bitter, you begin to blame. And then once you blame, now you, you, you never take responsibility. It's always easier to blame everybody else than to take responsibility for us doing what God wants us to do. Because if I blame, it's you. But the moment I say, I've got to deal with it, now it's all about me and my relationship with God. And so Cain didn't want to take responsibility. And then look at what he says. Now Cain talked with his brother Abel, and it came to pass that when they were in the field, Cain rose up against Abel's brother, and he killed him. What I think happened was Cain's like, listen, we ain't got to do this God thing. He's trying to convince Abel to lower Abel's standard. And I believe Abel's like, I can't do it. He's God. He is my Lord. He is the one that we owe everything to. And I believe that in the midst of not lowering standard, jealousy comes in, rage comes in. I don't want to do it right. I can't believe it. God favors you. And so then he takes his brother out and he kills him. 
Be careful about the friends that keep trying to pull you back into sin. Be careful about the people. Oh, I know you're doing good, but that tithe thing, I don't know about that. I know you're doing good, but serving, don't they just use you? Come on, I know you're doing good, but you got to go to church every week. What's this one-year challenge? You mean 52 weeks? God don't care if you miss one or two. Listen, be careful about those that pull you back into their sin. Compromise. Not doing what God's called you to do. And then we know, of course, he, he kills him. So I want to go to this story and just think, well, why is it? You got two brothers, same opportunities, same family, same presence of God, same encounter with God. One did it one way, one did it the other. So I want to just diagnose that and look at it. Why didn't Cain do it God's way? Why didn't he just say, God, I'm going to do it your way. I, I, I'm going to choose to do what you're asking of me. What stopped him? I believe it all boils down to your heart. It's always a heart issue. Giving is never a money issue. Someone says, well, I'll give when I'm rich. No, baby, if you don't give right now when you feel broke, you'll never give when you're... I had someone say, oh, pastor, I'm going to Rudy's and, you know, I win that lottery. I'm going to give you a million dollars. I'm like, do you tithe? No, but when I get that million dollars, I'm like, you, you won't. Why? Because God didn't put an amount. He put a percentage. And that percentage, when you feel broke, is the same as when you're rich. And so if you won't do it now with the dollar, the ten, the hundred, the thousand, you won't do it with the hundreds of thousands and the millions. It's a percentage thing. I love God's standard. He's, he doesn't say, well, I favor you. Well, he does have favorites. You didn't know that? It's those who actually do his will. He favors those. He blesses those. Oh, he's got them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just like you do. Don't lie. The one, the kid that always does what they say they're going to do. Be where the, come on. You're like, hey, what you need? Oh, you, the kid asks you for some money. You're like, no, 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 no. And then your other one that does everything. You're like, oh, shh, don't tell them. Look here, what you need? Daddy's got you. Come on. God's got favorites. Well, you mean I can be a favorite? Everybody can be a favorite. It's just simple obedience. He says, those who are faithful in little, I'll make you ruler over much. That's favor, and favor ain't fair. Psalm 512, God surrounds us with favor as a shield. But it's to those who do his will that, that say yes and surrender and say, this doesn't belong to me. It's all yours. Look at what Jude 11 says. What sorrow awaits them, for they follow in the footsteps of Cain. Remember, what, what kind of a heart does Cain have? Look, it's going to show us who killed his brother like Balaam, they deceive people for money. So he's got a deception problem, but the root of the deception problem is a greed problem. And then like Korah, they perish in the rebellion. So Cain's heart was full of greed and rebellion. What's greed? Greed is this, I want more. I want more. It's never enough. I, I had the opportunity to go on my brother's podcast. Uh, Steve is very successful in his industry. And uh, I just finished the manuscript of the book that I've been writing, and it's going to come out. Super excited. You guys have supported me the whole way. And Steve was like, man, we got to get you on this podcast. And we were talking through some business strategies, and um, he does so good. He always leads them back to Jesus. And he was telling me about a story of a lady who is making an unprecedented amount of money closing all kinds of loans and just, it's unbelievable what she's doing. And he said, we were in this candid conversation and he said, well, come on. He said, you know, you finally worked yourself up. When is enough enough? And she said, never, never. It's never enough. He said, well, so like, and he threw out something, no, it's not enough. Why? Because when you're out there chasing that more, that, that, that you're trying to feel the God-shaped hole in your heart, nothing will ever satisfy the hole in your heart that is set for eternity and for God. So no matter how much you chase, no matter how much you work, no matter how much you make, it will never be enough. And so you think I'm going to hold back this money, but it's not going to be enough. It's not going to satisfy you like you thought it would. And you know that. That's why you're listening so intently because it hasn't worked like you thought it would work. And then rebellion is just, I'm going to do it my way. God, I know you got a way, but my way works better. Again, elevating ourselves to little gods. Like, I know God, your way works, but, but my way, I can do it both end. No, no. God is not a both end. God is a one and only. Let me say it. He ain't a both end. It's a one and oh. There's, there's one way to heaven, and his name is Jesus. There is one way to live in the blessing, and that is obedience. 
telling you, you we, we have to, even as a church, I was thinking, you know, you, you, gotta, you gotta go back to there, there is the right way and that's God's way and I'm not God. And so when you go to define these topics in culture, I know it's not popular, but you, you don't have the right to define the, what a marriage is between a man and a woman. Why? Because you didn't create marriage. Come on, somebody. So the enemy wants to redefine it even though he didn't create it. It's the same thing with the God first life. Look, you didn't design this earth. You didn't design the blessing. You didn't design God first life. So you don't get to go in there and change it up and make it fit your opinion or your wants. No, all we get to do is say, yes, Lord, we choose you. I'm not gonna do it my way. I remember when we first started the church, I was a little nervous about talking about money. I think you know, we don't pass offering plates and buckets. I confessed last week. It might have been trauma. I don't know. Uh, I just, we, I was at the church. I, I, honest to God, I've been in a service. They asked for three offerings. I told Phyllis, I ain't got no more money. <laughs> I was on staff at the church. I'm like, I'm, I'm dry. This well, don't respond. Don't even pull it out. I mean, you know where you start to write checks where there ain't no money in the bank? You're just like, but maybe God just fill up the bank. That ain't how it works. And look, I, I ain't going to knock it because it taught me generosity. But I remember launching this church. I just said, God, we're not going to pass offering plates and buckets. We never have except for a special offering. And we give you six to eight weeks. We're all praying about it and believing God for it. And, you know, we just, we just for us, that's the way we chose to do it. And I'll never forget at the very beginning, I was talking about tithes. And someone said, well, you know, I'm just, I'm going to bring what I want, how I want it. And I was like, oh, goodness. Okay. You bring how, what you want and how you want. But, but the more I've studied this out, now look, we eight years in. I've seen God do too much. I can't remain silent. You can't do what you want when you want. And then ask God to bless you and wonder why you're broke and wonder why it feels like you get robbed all the time. Everybody gets blessed and you're looking at Sister Amazing and you're coveting them. I wonder if that's what Cain did to Abel. Like God, God is blessed. You're blessing his animals. Like, he can't even mess up. And God, I'm working hard. I'm plowing the ground. I've been planting seed. I'm doing everything. And he didn't realize it's not about your work. It's about your obedience. And there's times where your obedience will cause your work to multiply. So you have to just say, God, I, I, I choose you. I'm not going to do it my way. And what I want and when I want. Now, offerings, you, you can do that. Now, I'll, I'll speak to that. I, we do our, our offering and uh, we have our legacy every year and then we did the moving forward. And I tell you all the time, just ask God whatever he wants to do and then do it. And that's, that's the type of offering. But I will tell you this, I've never had me ask God what to give and him speak nothing. Why? Because he's a generous God. And here's the other thing. You know what I've always seen? That that generosity is a setup for a miracle. That when God speaks to me, listen, we, Phyllis and I have had one of the greatest years and one of the hardest years, but it's been absolutely amazing. In the middle of COVID, in the middle of what we have all walked through, Phyllis and I have been blessed tremendously. And not only that, last year, how many of you guys remember we did the faith goal for the two-year faith pledges, and it was like a stretch, 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 like, like God, impossible. God, I don't even think we could do this. I want you to know, Phyllis and I almost have ours paid off. Yeah, well, I told Phyllis the other day I hadn't been paid. I'm like, oh my God, we've never given this much, and yet we've never been that blessed. And what I felt the Lord said is what? Generosity unlocks the miracles. There's something about understanding. God's not trying to take something from you. God's trying to give something to you. And the devil wants you to sit here and feel all... I just want some. No, 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 no. The, the devil doesn't want you blessed. And it's not about the blessing. Look, I don't, I don't love the prosperity gospel. I give to give. But I want you to know you can never outgive God. I have never, ever had him. It's, it's like, God, I, we don't even deserve. God, I'm just so great. I'm just so humble. It's a posture. It's like, God, I just so, I don't, I, I'm just so thankful for you. And I have seen it time and time again. And it's not because whenever however you want. It's God, I've got to listen to you. Look at what Proverbs 3, 9 and 10 says, honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of your crops. Now, we're not an agricultural society. Now, I know Richmond and, and Rosenberg's kind of the sticks, or it used to be. Now, it's more of a suburb. But nobody's coming up in here with some wheat, you know, and 
trying to break that off. It's like that's just not the economy of America. America's economy is driven on dollars. And so you would just take this principle and apply it to how we get paid, which is dollars. We give back to God. That's the best description. When you talk about a tithe, it's not really giving to God. It's giving back to God what already belongs to God. We return a tithe. And we see it all throughout Scripture. I just want to give you a couple of places. I'm going to give you an Old Testament and a New Testament. Exodus 23, 19 says, The first of the first fruits of your land you shall bring into the house of the Lord your God. Then Jesus affirms this. Look in Luke eleven forty two, What sorrow awaits you, Pharisees, for you're careful to tithe even the tiniest income from your herb gardens. So he's talking to them, the religious. Now, I often have people say, because there's, there's people on all different sides, do you tithe? Is it new covenant? Is it just old covenant? Look, here, here's what I know. In this passage, Jesus is affirming a principle and a law that was established since the beginning. Because look at what he says. He says, but you ignore justice and the love of God. And then here's how he says it. You should tithe, yes, but don't neglect the more important things. Now, if you understand the culture of the day, the religious did everything to the letter of the law. And they thought they earned salvation. And so it's like, I'm good enough. And I'm, it's like, I'm going to do all these things. So he was addressing this. Money is the lowest form. Like, listen, that's, that should be the non-negotiable. That's the easiest. Like, of course you do that. But let's don't get stuck on money. Let's go to the greater in this. That's justice, the love of God. Don't, in, don't neglect the more important things. That's why I tell you today is probably the most important message you'll ever hear. Money should be settled and done, and then you just keep moving. God, I'm going to get better at helping provide justice. I'm going to get better at help loving you and loving people. This is just a foundational truth. It's almost as if he's saying this is baby Christian. Christian stuff. And so we got to say, why is it stopping me? Why am I stumbling? Because the enemy is afraid of what God will do through you when you get a revelation of this. So he had a heart of greed and rebellion. What's Abel's heart? Abel's heart's full of faith and obedience. Faith, God, I trust you even when I don't understand. God, I'll do it your way, not my way. Look at Hebrews chapter 11, 4. The writer of Hebrews talks specifically about Abel. It says, it was by faith that Abel brought a more acceptable offering to God than Cain did. So what does that mean? He did it God's way. Abel's offering gave evidence that he was a righteous man and God showed his approval of the gifts. Although Abel is long dead, he still speaks to us by his example of faith. I, I want to recognize those of you that have never put God first. It's not easy. It is a step of faith. I mean, you think about this. You're, you're barely making it. Some of you, you've been living in debt. You're drowning in debt. And, and poverty is not the amount of money you make. We got people who make lots of money. Six figures. You need to make seven figures. But the challenge is poverty is a mindset. It's not your income. And so you have this poverty mentality and you're drowning and you can barely make it. The faith walk is saying, God, I'm going to put you first. And here's the challenge with someone who's barely making it. The enemy will lie and say, well, you're irresponsible if you give to that church, if you do what God's saying. Why? Because you've got a mortgage, you've got a car note, you've got Visa and MasterCard and all those things that you now have to pay as a responsible adult. And I would agree. Look, we're going to do everything we can to be responsible. What's irresponsible is to not live in the blessing of God. If I need out of debt, I've got to do it God's way. If I need God's blessing, I've got to do it God's way. If I'm going to change the status of my life, and some of you, you are fighting for destiny. There has been a spirit of poverty over you, your family, your grandpappy, your grandma, all the generations past, and God brought you to a church in Richmond and Rosenberg, Texas, and he's trying to break that demonic spirit of poverty on your life, and if you'll just listen, you will be the catalyst of radical change for you and your family. So you're fighting for legacy, you're fighting for destiny, and you, you wonder why the battle's raging. It's because the enemy is real. He can't steal your salvation, but he can't steal your destiny. 
So there's this faith walk, and I, I tell you this, here, here's how I always challenge people. Your mortgage, your car payment, Capital One, Visa, they don't have the power to bless your life. There is one place that has the power to bless your life, and it's God Almighty. And so you can come to church, and I, I, I even, the first service, I felt that. Someone's in here starting to get the spirit of Cain. God, I've been tithing. No, no, no. You hadn't been tithing. Well, pastor, what do you mean? You give God the leftover. You pay your mortgage. You pay your car notes. You pay Visa and MasterCard. It may still be 10%, but it's not the first 10%. Our God does not take leftovers. He ain't a leftover God. He is the God, the King of Kings. The, I didn't get much clapping on that one, but that's okay. It's okay. <laughs> pastor, what are you saying? Order matters principle of first. It doesn't take faith to give God a tip. You see the difference? Somebody, you just got that. You've been, you've been given a tenth, but it wasn't a tithe. And the enemy's got you mad and frustrated. You're starting to get bitter at God. And I'm here to tell you the devil's a liar. And the moment you get this first thing down, he ain't going to be able to stop what God's going to do in your life. It's first. First always takes faith. That's always the, the testimony of a non-tither. I just don't know what to have. Look, and if you ain't got the whole 10%, start with percentage increase. God, I'm going to give you the first 5%. I think God honors that. Now what you got to do is make sure you don't spend when he increases you. You, you give God to where he needs to be. And, and then beyond that, you become a legacy giver. And that's just, we're over and above. I got a lot of my legacy givers here. And you got the gift of giving. It's like, God, we're just going to go all in. And it never stops. It's like, God, why? Just because it's, I'm going to be a funnel. I want to challenge you. God's not a charity. Can I say that again? God's not a charity. He is almighty God. He is the great I am. He is the creator of heaven and earth. And I, I know that there are pastors that are nervous about losing our nonprofits. And they say, I'm going to preach the truth. I can't, I can't buffet the Bible. I'm going to speak the truth in love. I love everybody. They take the nonprofit status. It ain't going to bother our church. We still going to give. Why? Because I didn't give to get a tax deduction. I give because that's God's will for my life. And he's going to bless me with or without a tax deduction. I don't care. My God is greater. We just got to build a church. It's like, God, I didn't do it for that anyway. Thank God for the tax deduction. Praise God. I'll take it. But I give because he's worthy. And I just, we, we got to raise this church. It's like, God, you, you don't deserve a tip. You deserve it all. It's yours. You're the, you're the God of heaven. That's what Matthew 6, he says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all of these things will be added unto you. It's the first principle. God, I'm going to seek you first. I'm going to put you first. That's why I believe in getting up and having quiet time in the morning. Not that quiet time is, you know, some people are like, I'm a night owl. It's great, but it's the first portion of your day. It's that first, God, I just, I give it to you. Matthew 6, 21, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. What a powerful passage. So, so what do you mean? Where your money is, that's where your heart is. I know people say, well, no, where my heart is, I'm gonna give. No, 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 that's not what the Bible says. Wherever you give, that's where your heart is. I, I, always, I, I someone will say, Pastor, you know, I'm kind of drifting. I, I don't know if this is still my church. And if I have a relationship with them, they say, what do you think? Would God be, I always just go back to this. Are you tithing? I know it's pretty direct. Well, we, we stopped tithing a couple of months ago. Okay. Well, no wonder you're drifting. Why? Because you're not investing. Someone say, oh, pastor, you know, I, I don't like, man, they, you ought to change that. I can't believe you do. Well, the, the way I look at it, and they're like, well, I'm going to go find another church that does this. Well, well that's awesome. You tithing? No, 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 no. Yeah, because if you're not investing, you'll just complain and leave. But when you invest, here's what I know. If you see something that bothers you, the odds are nobody else sees it. And if they don't see it, that means you've got the solution to the problem that is bugging you. So if this is your church and you're all in, you're like, I don't like that, but I'm going to be a solution. Why? Because I'm invested. I can't let this place go down. I can't let us lose another person. We're here to reach the lost, to touch lives, to disciple people. And so you begin to jump in. 
in and you're not going to be persuaded to leave. You come in all the more. Why? Because I'm invested. I'm telling you, you want to you care about the church? Invest in the church. You want to care about that building? Give to moving forward. I don't know about you, but I'm invested. I didn't ask y'all to do something I didn't do. I'm like, man, Phyllis and I walk around like, baby, this, yeah, I know I'm the pastor, but listen, this ain't, this ain't the Jim Kyles and the Phyllis Kyles dynasty. This is God's church. I'm an investor just like you. I'm like, God, let me please invest in what you're building because I won't be here forever. Somebody's going to take this and we're going to keep moving it forward. I'm like... Every life that's touched in that building is because of money that you and I gave. And guess what? I go to that parking lot. I'm like, man, that's going to be awfully fine. Somebody's going to walk up in comfort. There's going to be speakers and excellence. They're going to walk in. It's going to be so excellent. They're going to say, I can let my guard down because there ain't no roaches coming out the side. They ain't got no scum sitting down, no pee all over the floor. And I love BF Terry. It's awesome. But you can only scrub high school pee so much. Our bathrooms are going to be meticulously clean. Excellent. You're going to be like, "Woo! I don't even know if I'm going to listen to pastor. This is awfully nice up in here. <laughs> we'll have the speaker for you. You can sit on your throne and listen all day long. <laughs> We're invested. We're invested. I can't let this thing fail. God, I'm all in in this place. And God, I choose. I, I, Phyllis and I, we got into some stocks a while back. And, you know, I'm not a Ford, Chevy, anything. I was always cheap. Give me something that's frugal and inexpensive. That's my car. And uh, come on, somebody. Y'all know exactly where I'm at. So I didn't care what brand necessarily. And I'll never forget, we started to invest in Ford stock. Man, you guess what? I got a little ticker on my phone. I get a, a little beep every time it goes up. I'm like, praise God, that stock is going up. We bought Ford cars. I mean, it's just, I cared about it. I cared about it. I cared. I want to go all in. I want to leave you with this last, last passage. Deuteronomy chapter 14, verse 23. It says, the purpose of tithing. I don't know about you, but sometimes I just need it straight out. Like, hey, let me see it. Look what he says, to teach you always to put God first in your life. Teach you. Isn't that amazing? Every time I tithe, I'm learning a lesson. Every time. I thought about it, so, so if I just begin, I thought about it with the stimulus checks. Come on, somebody. You got yours. I know, I got mine. It's kind of nice. I ain't meddling with you. I'm just telling you what I... I remember, uh, this ain't the stimulus check, so don't worry about that, but I just thought, hmm, is that income tax return? Oh, no. Mm -mm. That was a blessing. Someone said, you took it? Absolutely. I've been paying taxes a long time. Come on, somebody. It's teaching me. Every time I text, listen, when, when, when the first thing I do, I tithe, text to give. God, you're, you're teaching me. I'm learning the lesson. What am I learning? God, you're, you're first. The zeros may change. The amounts may change. But God, you're first. They say, it belongs to me. Every, every two weeks, God, it belongs to you. God, I'm a steward. And I thought I'd just illustrate it. Paul, come up here. Paul Morales. Everybody give Paul a hand. He didn't know I was going to bring him up here. Paul is someone that I mentored in the fellowship. Danielle, you come see. Help me with the... So I love Paul, and uh, I love you. I'm so proud of you. Him and Alexis are leading the students. And if you're unfamiliar, the fellowship is a group that I mentor. I take every year, I've mentored 12 uh, young adults. And uh, how many times have you been in it? Three times, two times, that's right. And uh, has helped me continue to build the program. And so I wanted to use you as an illustration because I've taught you. Fellowship, I sit and have a conversation a lot like this because they've asked me to play the role of a spiritual father in their lives. And, you know, I was thinking, man, with this, the best way to illustrate it is money. Daniel, will you hold this? So, so I got a $1,000 right here. And I, I was thinking about this illustration driving. I've, I've done it before. I used to do it with, with, uh, with tens. But I thought, that's too cheap. Come on, somebody. Like, that, tens, like, 
Okay, $100. Like you, the average income for, for Texans is 62000 for households. So I thought 1000 would be a little bit more because you start to get into the thousands. And you, you remember that little story, that $100 bill ain't been very many churches. You know, and so it starts to get a lot. It's like, man, $100, God, it's funny. You know, you can't go. I, I gave my kids 20 bucks in the mall the other day, and they laughed at me. I'm like, bro, go spend it. They're like, Dad, you can't even get a cupcake for $20. <laughs> I'm like, $20? We used to buy the whole mall. I'm like, good Lord. So they just laugh at me. But in church, you know how big $20 is? It's like, oh, God, aren't you happy? You know, come on, somebody. I know we're playing, but don't, don't get mad if I'm talking about you. They, uh, so, so I'm going to act like God, and, and you're not. You'll be Paul. And I'm just, what I want to do is I want to give you $1,000. Now, I know you're a student. He's going to medical school, and uh, so proud of him. We've been, we've been on this journey a long time, but I'm going to act like I'm your employer. And, uh, and as God, I, so, so say it was... Pick a place. Where would you want to be employed? Texas Children's. Children's. So come on, somebody. How many know he's going to be a Texas Children's? So here we are. So you're going to receive it through Texas Children's, but that's not who gives you the resources. It's me. You know, because you got to look at this. This is where people get so mixed up. Look, I'm not talking. If you're not a believer, that's fine. Believers, you've been praying for that job. You've been asking God to bless you. He gave you health, and really, it's everybody, but we're so much more accountable. It's like, man, God, you gave me the wisdom and the knowledge and the, the strength. You had your pastor. He was there to encourage you when you weren't feeling good. You were in the small group. God had the right person at the right time. And see, we forget all that when the paycheck comes. So here it is, though. God's going to bless you, and I like to count them out. One, come on, two. Three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. That's a thousand dollars. Now you don't get to keep this. I'm just telling you. That's a thousand dollars. Now, Paul, I'm gonna bless you with this, but I just want you to make sure that you realize you're a steward. So there's a test. And all I'm asking is for you to put me first as you know how to do. The first 10% That's what I'm asking from. Can you do that? Yes. So then if Paul, now he gets the choice. See, you think the blessing is in God's hands. The blessing's in your hands. See, you're like, oh, God, won't you bless me? And he's like, I'm trying. I'm trying, but you keep robbing. I thought about this. Phyllis and I love to eat. There, as a Christian, there ain't a whole lot of other things you can do. You can't even go to the movies anymore. We like to eat. So we go out to the, the dinner. We, we like salt grass. Come on, anybody like salt grass? Come on. They need to give me some royalties. Come on. <laughs> they, uh, can you imagine eating a filet and all the different appetizers and desserts? Enjoying it. Got good service. Oh, that filet was cooked perfect. Medium. Got your onions and mushrooms. Come on, I know. So you, and you got your melted butter. And then you, the thing about salt grass, they got sweet potato fries. So you go, I know, look, we, we all go into salt grass. <laughs> Can you imagine us having an amazing experience and then we get up and we just walk out, don't pay the tip, don't pay the bill. What would they do? How many of us come in and eat the food of the word of God, experience the service of his people and the presence and the power of God, and we walk out and never return back to God what belongs to God? I've often thought about that. Wouldn't do it there, but we'll do it here and justify ourselves here. And so God is he's just like, hey, bro, just it's up to you. I want to bless you. And then now you have a decision. What will you do? Come on. So he gives back. And then I, said, I bless you. And the thing about God is it's always a test. The thing, God is not, this, this is not an end all. He wants to be a funnel. He wants to fund. He's like, I can trust you. So then what happens is God begins to bless him with more. Remember, if you're faithful with little, you'll be ruler over much. I can trust you. And then the test comes. Remember in Malachi, he said, he said, not just tithes, but tithes and offerings. Why? Because that's the next level. Like, let's just get on the base first, right? God's like, just start the tithes. So then the, the offering part is, and it doesn't have to be in church. Look, I tell people all the time, pay for someone's groceries. 
Pay for someone's gas. Like, it ain't got to just be in here. There's a lot of great places you can support. But you just got to listen to God. And every need ain't a God need for you to sow into. Stop rescuing people. That's the reason why they hadn't grown. And don't be manipulated. If I'm in a place where I feel manipulated, I'm like, nope, nope. That Boy, I grabbed that thing real tight. I'm like, no, sir. I want to be in a place where God is moving. And so, so, so anyway, then you listen and, and God says, okay, give there, sow there. And you do it. And God just gets, your employer is not your limit. God just funnels that he can break outside of any employer and salary and pay. It's just a matter of God, I, I obey, I trust. And, and then he does it. Now, one of the things that I've taught the fellowship and they know is the first 10% goes to God. Second 10% goes to you. So you pay savings, you invest, and then the other 80% you need to pay on bills. And if you can save more, I always tell them, save, save 40, 50%. I, I have a deal with my kids. I want you to save 50%, right? Because I'm going to be a steward. I, I, don't, I want to bless people. You can't bless people broke. And so then that's the principle. And so then God bless them. Come on, isn't that awesome? I love you, brother. Give back my money. Thank you, Danielle. Let me put this back up for us. Don't be trying to jack me either. I got Chris down there. And I often think, you say, well, God sure does ask a lot of me. I don't know if you've read John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. That whoever should believe in him will not perish but have everlasting life. God didn't ask us to do what he hadn't done himself his first and his best so I just want to challenge you church listen I just want to challenge just God whatever you're speaking to me God whatever and then many times I have found myself sitting in an environment and I just didn't know and so I say God I'm sorry I just I didn't know and so then I just repent sometimes I recognize that I might have been the cane. I think we like to be the hero of the stories, and I'm realizing I'm usually the villain. Like, you know, we love to talk about David and Goliath, but how many of us have ever been Saul, afraid to go fight the battle? Right, same thing. And so I find myself now saying, God, I, I, I just, I missed it. And this is one of the things my mom taught me a long time ago. When you miss it, just repent. He's not judging you, condemning you. He convicts us, and it always leads us back to him. I had a friend that was in this first service, and he said, uh, I hadn't been to church. I texted him and, and, and his wife last night, and I said, man, I just, I just want you to know how much I love you. And he said, man, your text meant the world to me. I said, bro, you're just on my heart. And I just, I said, you've probably been here because the church is so big now. I just, I don't know. And he said, bro, I hadn't. He said, I messed up a couple of weekends ago, and I've not been back. And I just told him, I said, brother, don't you ever let a mistake drive you away from the house of God. You let that mistake lead you to the presence of God. Yeah.